Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. You have probably heard of the saying by Greek philosopher Epictetus, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. Or, as paraphrase, life is 10% of what happens and 90% of how you react to it. On October 19, 1980, accomplished IBM executive Les Franklin was met with any parent's worst nightmare when he learned his youngest son, Shaka, had ended his life with a bullet wound. This father, Les Franklin, turned his world 180 degrees and founded the Shaka Franklin Foundation for Youth in memory of his son to support other youth for suicide prevention so other parents would not have to endure this needless loss of their child. Then, incredibly, a few years later, his oldest son also took his own life, a double tragedy being managed by one father. The Shaka Franklin Foundation is this dad's way of making a 90% positive response that has lasted nearly three decades. Greetings again, I'm Adam Morgan. Currently, despite our best efforts, another wave of youth taking their lives is returning, spawning the necessity for increased support and outreach to contain this negative trend. With his wife, Mary Ann, preventing youth suicide has been the recent life journey for former IBM and Governor's Cabinet Executive Les Franklin, who visits us for this edition. I belong to a support group that when I joined, there were 10 families in there, and each one of us lost one child. I was asked to come back to speak to that support group some years later, and it's run by a lady by the name of Vivian Epstein. Yeah. And she's been doing it for years it's at a church right off of uh, just— uh, on the west side of I-25, on the left-hand side, right on, on Hamden. Yeah. And when I went back there, there were probably 50, 60 families or more. It was more than that. I just don't remember the number now. Uh, there were families that had lost two and a few that lost three. Three now, children? Yeah, three children. Now there's several hundred uh, that belong to that support group that have lost three children. I was speaking in... Uh, Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center to a group of coaches. Yeah. And I'll never forget this. Uh, when I finished, one coach came out of the room, and he was crying. He was crying his heart out. And I, I asked him, I said, what's the matter? What's, what's going on? What's the problem? He says, Mr. Franklin, I have lost five siblings to suicide. And what I've learned from my experience is that you lose one in the family. Yeah. If there are other children in the family, uh, quite often you're going to lose uh, more than one unless you pay close attention to what's going on and get heavily involved. Because if you don't, you're almost guaranteed that uh, other children in that family will take their lives. Have, have, have any families shared with you uh, what led to the subsequent losses? It couldn't be just, just the first one modeling the behavior. No, it's the pain, the pain of losing a, another sibling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a parent that loses a child that finally says, I just, I just can't stand the pain. Yeah. And the pain is excruciating. I mean, I, I feel like God has asked me and given or directed me, not asked me, it's directed me to do what I do because, uh, you know, I know that black people in general would never think, and I didn't think that black people committed suicide because I didn't know any and of no, that I ever had. I, I will say and, that. And a lot of either. us thought that, you know? Yeah. But I've learned firsthand from going all over the country that uh, many black people take their lives, and many in Colorado. When my son died, another young man, a kid that was only, I think it's 10 years old, killed himself that same week. And I walked with his father uh, right over on Monaco in the 
you know, in the northeast part of town. And his father and I walked and talked. But this kid, they were kid, a lot of children don't even have a clue. I don't think that they're, whatever the pain might be. But this kid told his younger brother, he says, if I kill myself, you'll have more toys for Christmas. And this was right around the holiday time because my son lost his life in October 1990. And this was the same month in October, almost the same week. But this this is, but I I guess, you know, people would say this is a new generation of youth. Yeah, but let me tell you about that. Are are the pressures, the pressures couldn't be the same. No, let me tell you about that. I never know what, how information is going to come to me. But last night, uh, I'm looking at a television show at 2.30 in the morning, and it had been played some time before. And it was actually, I'm catching up on a, on a bunch of HBO stuff, and it was, uh, I was looking at uh, uh, Bill Maher, and which only comes on Friday, and I hadn't seen it for over a year. So I was just going back and looking at all these shows. At 2.30 last night, there was a, uh, a professor, a New York uh, professor that was on, and he was talking about uh, this problem of youth suicide and how it increased. And what hit me real hard, and he had a book, he's written a book, and I stopped and I wrote and I, I, I popped up in bed as best I could. And I don't pop up very well, but I, I, I kind of got yeah, myself sure. together. I got sure. my, my glasses that have headlights on them, and, <laughs> and I turned my glasses on. Well, we have on. to put on our glasses to make sure we can hear better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I put my glasses on, and I got my little black book, and I started to write in some of the pages. I wrote the name of the professor and uh, information that he was sharing and the title of the book and what's going on. And and I listened to their conversation. But what he was saying is that, and what made me stop was that he said that boys are killing themselves at 25% at a greater rate than they they were, and they're already at a higher rate. Uh, and more boys die than than girls from suicide, but yeah. more girls attempt it. And he says the rate of suicide for girls has gone up 70%. And that's what stopped me right in my track. But what he was saying is that he says that millennials, uh, which that period stopped by 1994, and then, you, and then 95 became the, uh, the X generation. So yeah. it's a different generation now. And that generation that's come on, is a generation of young kids today that spend all their time in uh, uh, cell phones. And what he said about the boys, that uh, the increase in the boys, is the boys are increasing, but they're not prepared. Some of the things that we just talked about, they're not prepared for life the way uh, their parents have been prepared. Uh, and they're, they're, they're just not, they can't handle the tough things. But the boys with cell phones are playing games, and they're just looking at games, and they're playing war games and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But the girls, they're uh, doing something different with their cell phones, and they're being bullied on their phones. They're putting in information, and they're waiting for a response, and usually it's a response about them or to them in some way, and that's really affected girls differently. You know, when we were children, uh, we didn't have anything to do but go out. You didn't have any toys. You had to either make your toys yeah. Uh, you know, I made my first scooter out of an old Coke box and some, and skates <laughs> yeah, and nailed we, on we the bottom. We were pretty inventive back then. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And so we would go out in the yard and we'd play until Mama came and hollered, "Boy, don't let that sun, uh, you know, uh, uh, set on your rear end." You know, uh-huh. that's the That's words right. we heard. Yeah. Uh, and so we played until dark, until it's time to come in, or we we'd eat and rush right back out so we could play. Kids today go in the house and they stay. 
Yeah. And they sit on their phones and they 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 they're either watching television or they're just sitting in it, you know. So is is that the is that the 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 real demarcation line then is social isolation? I think that has Self, a lot of social isolation. Social isolation that's and going then, on now versus what they could have if they were out and as a result they don't know what to do with stuff. Exactly. Uh and it's it's even deeper than that. I mean Families hung together. I remember when my uncles uh, got divorced. Uh, they didn't even get divorced. They just they left their wife and they established another home, but they kept taking care of that wife. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget my uncle Jesse in Colorado Springs, who died at 65, and, my, uh, and, and Allie, she lived to be 98. Yeah. But uh, she had three sons that stepped in and took over where Uncle Jesse uh, left off. But the... Older men, you know, even though back in the day they weren't always in the household, they still tend to look out for their families. Yes, they did. Uh, today, it's a totally different thing. You know, divorced people don't even get married for, in, in many respects. That's, you know, people used to be embarrassed to say that there was a, you know, birth out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's not embarrassing anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, right it's really that. it's really common. And so you don't have the nuclear family. You don't have the support systems. You don't have grandma and, 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 you know, in the household where I was in the same bedroom, slept in the same room as a young man with my grandmother. Yeah. Uh, and so you had all that knowledge there and all that influence that could help you get through tough times that would talk to you and counsel with you. Today, uh, and like my son, he was, in, he was in the room by himself, you know, and I was, uh, go, I was going through a divorce. But uh, it's a different world today, and it's a more complicated world. It's more a technological world, and it's a technological world is a more colder world. Yeah, it's not the is. warmth that we used to have, and the, and then you got the hate and the anger that goes on all over the all over the country, and all over the world, and it breaks my heart because I see it with children. I can see it in their eyes, you know, and and when I've gone into the classrooms and when I've talked to children, and I see their pain and their crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm holding them in my arms, and I tell the teachers, "Don't leave me. You know, stand right here because uh, I'm not going to uh, not hug a child that's got their arms up and ask me to. You know, they're crying for help or crying for someone to care. Yeah. And we need to care, and we need to do more of it. Have you achieved the initial goals you had set for the foundation, and what's left that you haven't done yet that you've wanted to do? Well, we've achieved many of the things that we wanted to achieve, and we've been able to get the message out there. We've gotten our message out, and we've gotten it out in a lot of places. But the problem with getting messages out is that it's like a commercial. You know, you you, you got to keep it going, and yeah. then you got to revive, revise that message so that it works with the new generation. And we have new generations of people. We have business people that used to be there and be supportive. They're not there anymore. Many of them are retired. Uh, some like Walt Imhoff have passed away, uh, who were wonderful friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, banks that had the chairmen of the boards that uh, cared about us and reached out to us and had peep staff that would be supportive. They're, that staff is retired, and yeah. those bank presidents and chairmen are no longer there. Uh, we had a golf tournament for 18 years, and now uh, the five business people that put that on for us Every one of them are retired and no longer there for us. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, but th- your question is, have we achieved everything? No, because our uh, goal 
was to lower the rate of suicide and to make families realize that this is a horrible, horrible uh, problem that we have in society and that we need to do uh, something about it. And so my frustration is, is that we have not been able to keep up with the pace of the way children are taking their lives. The children that you've helped, the families that you've helped, have you received feedback from them about the value of that help? Oh, Maybe God, some yes. kids are yeah. walking around as adults now and glad that you uh, changed their mind about taking their lives. Well, we've had uh, a number of families. They've come back at us in a couple of ways. Uh, one, in a very positive way, where they'll contact us and say that uh, I'm okay. Uh, I saw, I read about you online. Mm-hmm. And they'll send us a message that, I'm, uh, you know, I don't need help. I'm good. I've got two children now, and I'm married, and, you know, everything is fine. Yeah. And, and we've had a number of situations like that as far away as France, uh, as mm-hmm. far away as Ireland. Uh, and Canada, uh, you know, where we've talked to young people in all over the United States. But mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, flip side of that coin, uh, we have had parents that uh, went to school with uh, my son that have had their friends, not their families, but their friends who have lost a child. And I just dealt with uh, a father who lost a 17-year-old son just a few weeks ago. Uh, and that was as a direct result of uh, of of a friend of Shaka's knowing who we were and what we did introducing us uh, to uh, that family and to that father. Picking up on that in two different places. The first one are the people who have, uh, that you've helped as youth and they've come back or they've called you, they've written you, they've contacted you. Have they said anything about what is the one thing you did or you said which got their attention and turned their life around? I think it's just showing that you care and we listen. Uh-huh. Just listen to them and yeah. reach out to them. We, we cared about them and we opened our arms to them. It's 29 years of supporting youth and families to prevent suicide for the Shaka Franklin Foundation with its founder, Les Franklin. The Shaka Franklin Foundation for Youth hosts their 29th annual Love Our Children Luncheon on Friday, May 3rd at the Marriott Denver Hotel Tech Center at 11.30 a.m., Actress and mental health professional Kathy Cronkite, daughter of the legendary CBS news anchor Walter Cronkite, is the keynote speaker. For information, the number to call is 303-337-2515. That's 303-337-2515. Or go online to Shaka, S-H-A-K-A dot org, or info at Shaka dot org. Les Franklin. He'll continue sharing insights to their work on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us. You have been listening to Mile High Magazine, a look at the issues in people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. If you have a suggestion for a future program or a question, please send an email to publicaffairs at bonneville.com. Thanks for listening to Mile High Magazine.